headed out to Singapore. We're not fighting anymore. I went to meet with Kim Jong Un. Just the two of us. I schmoozed with Little Rocket Man, and I went and shook his hand. We talked about putting down our nukes. Put down those nukes, Donald. Just the two of us. Yeah. A little muchos kilos uh, to begin the show here. Just the two of us. All oh, come on. We have to have a little fun with it. You know, um, I think I have problems with this, but I think it's a step in the right direction. Let's see. Uh, North Korea has said all this kind of stuff before, and then they lied and cheated and went back on their word, right? And I understand some people don't like, you just heard in the news, some people don't like some of the nice things Donald Trump is saying about this horrible guy. And he's a horrible guy. He's done horrible things to his own people, his own family. But if we're heading down a road that does eliminate nuclear weapons on the Korean Peninsula, that's good. That's good. So I am prepared, even though I have some of the same concerns a lot of Donald Trump's critics have, I am at least willing to give it a chance. Let's see. It is, it is historic. You absolutely have to call this uh, an, an historic agreement, even though, you know, there aren't a lot of details. And But, as I said, a step in, a step in the right direction. Or am I out to lunch? Right? Or should we not be trusting this guy? Should we not even be talking to this guy? 204-780-6868. What do you think? Hal at cjob.com. I really do want to hear from you on this. And if you can call in and have a conversation with me, if you have a couple of minutes, please do that. Am I being foolish thinking that this guy might actually live up to his word? Or do you agree with me? Let's give it a chance. Let's see where it goes. And I understand, you know, people saying, look at how he's treating, you know, a great ally like us, Canada, and the way he's talking about our leader, our prime minister. And, you know, here he's fighting to get Russia's Putin back in the the G7, so it becomes G8 again. And he um, he's saying nice things now about uh, Kim Jong-un. Coming up on the show today, so your your thoughts, please. Coming up on the show today, I've got to play you some Dennis Rodman. As you know, Dennis Rodman has been buddies with Kim Jong-un for a while now. Well, Dennis feels like this is his chance now to say, I told you so. I told you so. And I'll play the audio for you later. Dennis said, I told you this guy was ready to to wheel and deal, and he wanted a change, and nobody, Obama wouldn't listen to me. Now Donald has listened to me, and we're on the right track. So i got to play some Dennis Rodman for you today. The street census is out. Homelessness in the city of Winnipeg. I'm going to talk about it with Jim Bell after the news at 1.30. Jim Bell, of course, with Silo Mission. Bob Irving and Coach Mike O'Shea on the Coach's Show last night here on CGOB. Some audio from that, and we'll talk a bit about our new starting quarterback, Chris Trevler, all right? So lots coming up on that. Kent Duick will be in studio after the news at 2.30. He is the CEO of Inner City Youth Alive, and they have a real cool new program over there, and it's called Story Studio. I've been getting their newsletter for a long time, 
And I got a mail the other day, and I thought, this is really a cool idea. And so I want to tell you all about it. Kent Duick, executive director. I said CEO. He's actually the executive director of Inner City Youth Alive. He'll be here to tell us about that. Ariana Huffington in town today. Diana Foxall, one of our global news reporters, was there when she spoke. And so Diana's going to join us a little later on to tell us about that. And a couple of movies. I know one that we'll probably watch in my house tonight. It's called Love, Simon. I'll tell you about it and another one that I think might be worth checking out. If you like watching your movies at home, there are a couple you may want to rent, depending on how you do that. We usually rent them on iTunes. Sometimes we buy them, but usually rent them on iTunes. And as I mentioned, I read that Orange is the New Black Season 5 is out on Netflix. We uh, we kind of didn't finish up Season 4, so I guess we better get on it because Season 5 is is available. All right, lots of people wanting to talk about Kim Jong-un. Let's see if you agree with me. Let's give it a chance, or if you think I'm out to lunch. We'll start with Dave, 204-780-6868. Dave, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you, and the reason I agree with you is the Iran deal, which is said to be by some great and by others not very great. Right. It does is at the end of the deal, you know, six months later they got nukes if they want so what we live in is a world of hyper-partisanship. We have Trump, too, who's sort of off the rails with his talking. Too bad he couldn't just talk differently for a month or something. Yeah. But, but let's take Trump out of the equation. you got the naysayers and the aysayers, and I think a lot of that is beyond hyper-partisanship. Let's hope that the thing works. If it doesn't, we ain't any worse off than we were. Exactly. And it ain't much different. So, um, yeah, hopefully people can filter out the noise, because the noise comes from pretty credible people, too. But the credible people tend to be tied to the political party they love. Well, that's always the risk you run with something like this, right? Everybody has political interests, and so it affects what they say and what they believe. Uh, Honestly, where I'm coming from, I just think if we can even just slow down the whole nuclear thing in that part of the world, I think it's a victory. I agree with you 100%. You know, I'll uh, team the world if you can team one thing. I think Ray, when Reagan did it with the other guy a long time ago, it was uh, it was it was a weight off shoulders. We were the kids that sat under desks at school. So, yeah. you know, let's hope that he gets it right. Whether we like Trump or not is irrelevant. Let's hope that he uh, gets this deal done and it's a good deal and things change. All right, Dave, appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. And Mike is on the phone. Mike, where are you falling on this? I think it's at least he's moving in the right direction. You have the entire United Nations have done nothing to, to correct this matter. Yeah. So you have, and you have nations at the United Nations on that are, we're all supposed to be equal there that still have slavery, that don't have women's rights. They don't yeah. educate right. school girls and they're all on equal footing. And so the real, the, there, there is no true equality at the United Nations, because countries aren't equal, mm-hmm. we behave, we, we we operate at different levels. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're day, and, and you're right. What we've been doing now for decades with North Korea obviously is not working. I mean, their nuclear activity has escalated, if anything, so it hasn't worked. Let's give this a try, and maybe we slow things down. You know, and why and why have have they gone? Have they been pushing for a nuclear program? Because it's the only way that they'll get what they want from the rest of the world. They're not doing this from a from a purpose of self defense. They're doing it for offense. Because now, if you got a bigger stick, you can use it on your neighbor. 
Yeah. So, and and some people believe that North Korea is in real dire straits right now, that they have spent a lot of their money on their nuclear capabilities, and the country is, you know, for lack of a better term, almost bankrupt, and, and they're in big trouble, and Kim Jong-un needs to do something fast. And their people are starving to death. Now, you have a country where everyone serves in the military, so everyone knows how to how to engage in that activity. A, a, you know, a hungry man's got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kim Jong-un has lots to lose because he's got to feed those people three times a day every day. And if there's nothing to feed him with, how much longer is it going to be before he gets fed to the wolves? Yeah. They'll eat their own. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Tyler, where are you uh, coming at this one? Tyler, are you there? Hello? Yes, go ahead, Tyler. Yes, uh, my name is Saleh, not Tyler. Oh, okay. Um, I don't, I don't think the same thing as the other guys uh, they were talking about. I think that to have to, ha- first of all, to having the nuclear weapon is a guarantee that regime is going to stay in power forever. And I believe that uh, when um, Donald Trump is going to be behind doors and sign the contract with the new, uh, North Korea, that if he doesn't bother the regime change in North Korea, they are going to give up their nuclear uh, weapons. And it's all about that. It's not about people are hungry or not. It's a guarantee of the regime, their nuclear weapon. Okay. That's all I have to say. All right. Appreciate your call. And one more here before break. Len, what do you think, Len? Uh, thanks for taking my call, first of all. Yeah. And uh, as far as Donald Trump goes, uh, he's really a deal breaker as uh, more than a deal maker. Every deal that Obama or anybody has made before him He's broken. Now, I have no faith in him in this uh, deal either. He hasn't even passed it past the Senate the, or the House or anybody, and he's made this deal that uh, he, they don't even know if they can hold their end of the bargain up in, uh, in the USA. Yeah, well, and, and deals typically have details and dates and specifics. This has nothing. I mean, this is just, yeah, we're going to try yeah. and denuclearize the Korean Peninsula, and that's it. So it's it really is a, a very small first step, but it's historic, and if it gets them heading down the right road, maybe I'm being an optimistic fool, right? But I think at least we're better off today than we were this time yesterday. The one thing that I did notice about Kim there is he didn't have contact with all these other world leaders before. Not only Trump, but he's been making contact in Singapore with all the Asian leaders. And I think that's more beneficial to him than anything else. Hmm. Interesting. All right. One more here. Ted is on the line. Ted, and then we'll take a break. Go ahead, Ted. Good afternoon. How are you? Hi. Good. Good. Well, I don't trust Kim, and I don't trust Trump. Yeah. The reason I don't trust Kim, because that guy's unpredictable, and I think he goes from day to day what he wants to do. Yeah. And he doesn't listen. Same with Mr. Trump. He's the same way. And what it really ticks me off is the way at the G7, the way he runs on our allies. We need our allies, and if he thinks he wants to be friends with the Middle East people like Kim and et cetera, Putin, well, let him have. Just push him out then, because I don't trust either one of them. Yeah, he's a listen, I I don't look at this as uh, my hope that something comes of this is not about me supporting Trump. I I well, think know, I I just I just think if we can head down a better road in uh, on the Korean peninsula, it's a good well, thing. This isn't me supporting Trump by any no, means. And, you know I agree with you, mm. but I still don't trust Trump. I think he's an egomaniac and he just wants to make himself look good up front to everybody else. So you know, it's too bad we that guy's in the power, but mm. 
in two years, we got. I think the U.S. people got to wake up and smell the coffee and get rid of this guy. Yeah, and you might be right, but hey, if okay. he gets it done, uh, I don't care that much about that part of him. I I just think this this may lead to good things. And I, and I got I'll, one more question for you, yeah. sir. Mm. You got a cottage in, in Winnipeg Beach, don't you? Yes. Okay, and my name's Ed, and we've met a few times. Oh, sorry, Ed. I couple. thought I've got you down as Ted. No, it's Ed, I guess. Okay. And remember a few times we were going to meet at Winnipeg Beach Hotel for a bubbly. One okay. of these days well, we have to. We have to do that, Ted. I, I guarantee you we will do it, okay? And I got one more call here. Uh, Eleanor, let, yeah, thanks, uh, Ed. Eleanor, let's get you on here. Go ahead. Okay, I hope with all my heart that the Nobel Peace Prize doesn't get awarded to Donald Trump after him siding with the North Koreans and slamming Canada. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I know there's some talk about him maybe getting the Nobel Peace Prize. I just do not see it. I don't if think he, so. If he does, it's just lowered the value of the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> yeah, in my yeah, you might be right. All right, okay, Eleanor, thank thanks a lot. Quick break here. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Uh, just one more text message here on, on Donald Trump and this agreement with uh, North Korea's Kim Jong-un. By the way, 121, 121 at CJOB. Hal Anderson here. Uh, Jeanette says, Hal, you are out to lunch. Trump is so full of himself, he cannot see the hypocrisy in wanting to hold Kim Jong-un to his word. Yet he repeatedly reneges on his own commitments just on Sunday at the G7. I believe he is not doing this for political gain, but he wants to compete with Obama by also getting a Nobel Peace Prize. All right. Thank you, Jeanette. Appreciate the uh, the feedback. Moving on now, we'll get back to uh, uh, Kim Jong-un and, and Donald Trump. He sat down and talked to uh, George Stephanopoulos at ABC. I want to play a bit of that for you. And I want to play some comments from Dennis Rodman. Dennis, poor Dennis. Dennis Rodman says, I told you this. I Yeah, you listened to me years ago. We could have been on the road to peace. And I got to play some of that. He's in tears. He's in tears. But right now... Homelessness in Winnipeg. It is still a big problem, according to the latest street census. And we're going to talk about homelessness with Jim Bell at Silo Mission after the news at 1.30. In April, volunteers found 1,500 people were homeless in our city. That is up from the last street census in 2015 when the number was 1,400. So a few years ago, 1,400, now 1,500 Kate Keeler is with the Social Planning Council. We could say that the trends are the same. We did actually change because 2015 was our first one. Other other communities have done this for longer than we have, so Winnipeg was a bit behind. Um, so uh, we learned a few lessons in 2015, and because we we suspected we weren't going to, and it turned out that we didn't get to a lot of the hidden homelessness, the people, the quote unquote couch surfing, the people who are not absolute homeless, homeless, but they're staying in unsafe or unstable housing. So we tried to tweak our our survey this year. And to try and let people self-identify and uh, to actually being in unstable housing. So the numbers can't really be compared. We hope on a going forward basis we'll be able to get to it. But the trends are the same. We're still overrepresented with Indigenous and youth and homelessness. So this year it was found that 60% of the people that we surveyed 
uh, were uh, indigenous of indigenous descent, and they only represent 11 percent of our, our population in the city. So that's unexcusable. And Kate says people end up without a home in many ways. You know, they've gone from one bad situation to another bad situation. But in an attempt to be and and you you mentioned strong, um, I I. Sadly, we overuse the word resilience because we tend to um, we tend to think that um, deprivation teaches resilience and actually it just relies on it. So that's as a society, we need to actually move beyond counting on that. What we have right now are very preliminary findings. We just did it in April and uh, it's a it's a huge amount of data to pull in. So we will be doing a full launch of the report in the fall and we'll certainly invite you <laughs> invite you out to it. But tonight it was really important to report back very quickly to the community because we went out there. So we want to also celebrate our volunteers. We had almost 300 people. Some of them are certainly involved in the field, but every uh, just everyday people who are interested in homelessness and doing something about it. So we want to thank them, but most particularly we want to thank the people that we actually asked and we wanted to let them know that look, we didn't just survey you again and the information goes somewhere into the ether and no one's paying attention to it. We wanted to make sure they knew and we wanted to thank them for their time and for their stories. Just a shout out, there's a huge community effort. About 30 organizations came to, came together to do this. Kate Keller, Social Planning Council. And one more point that she wanted to make, homelessness is not a choice. Uh, sometimes, you know, people will focus on the idea that they'll go to one of the tent cities and they'll they'll talk to people and people say, you know, why aren't you in a shelter? And they'll say, well, I don't want to be in a shelter. Uh, I like it here. Uh, that's, that's just autonomy. That's everybody deserves autonomy. But if they were offered a better alternative, they would take an alternative. But it's true that it's not just about finding a room somewhere for someone. That community is essential for people. They they need it. We all are social animals and we all need that community. So the supports around them and making sure they have interaction and, and meaningful communication with people is key to helping people uh, sustain housing. Um, certainly in 2015, and we anecdotally, I know because I was doing some of the surveys, we heard the th- same thing. So family breakdown is, is a huge issue. Uh, poverty, obviously, is a contributing factor. Um, it's very sad to note that of the youth, I think it's about 11% this time that self-identified, self-identified as the uh, part of the being the LGBTQ community. So we know, unfortunately, that some families can have a hard time accepting that and, and youth end up being homeless and on the street because of it. All right. So the numbers again, 1,500 people homeless in Winnipeg compared to 1,400 three years ago. So it's up. The problem is worse. And this time around, they found out that 14% of the people counted this year are unsheltered, meaning they are staying in a public space like a park or in a tent, while 24% were using an emergency shelter. And after the news at 1.30 here, we are going to talk to Jim Bell at Silo Mission about this street census and homelessness in general. So hopefully you'll stick around for that. But coming right up, the news at 1.30 on Hal Anderson Afternoons. Thank you very much, TFJ. One thirty-three. So we talked uh, homelessness last half hour before the news there. We told you that homelessness in Winnipeg, uh, the latest street census says, 1,500 people homeless in our city. That compares to 1,400 three years ago, the last time they did the street census. 14 people, uh, sorry, 14% of the people are unsheltered. They're living in public spaces like a park. Maybe they're in a tent. 24% were using an emergency shelter like Silo Mission. And Jim Bell from Silo Mission uh, joins us on the phone here now. Jim, good afternoon. 
Good afternoon, Hal. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing this. So you saw the numbers. Give me your initial thoughts. Yes. So, so initial thoughts, uh, I just want to say, first off, really appreciate uh, the efforts and the work of all the volunteers that participated that day uh, that uh, conducted this census. It's no easy task, but the the numbers are certainly telling us, as you have said, that uh, the, the problems, the hardships leading to homelessness are, are not going away, and this census is indicative of that. And I would add to that that uh, here at uh, Silo Mission, the results, they're very helpful uh, because one of the things that we are working very aggressively at and being very cautious about at the same time is in addition to all the core services that we do on a daily basis, we are working hard at um, trying to find the right housing model or models that we can go forward with with the, with the proper supports to help people such as those are identified in this census. And uh, the, those, those support, we know that the, the bricks and mortar around an affordable housing unit are very important, but just as critical, if not more so, is having the right support mechanisms to help people move on, whether that be as a result of the challenges of addiction or mental, uh, mental illness, family fallout, financial hardship, all those types of things. So the census is, in a sense, validating, but it's also clarifying and identifying where, um, you know, where some of the significant areas are. Uh, and, of course, a few of those are within the Indigenous community. Of course, our, our youth, uh, far, far too many youth that are experiencing homelessness. And these are, these are challenges that we are working at daily here at Siloam because we, we want to move forward collaboratively with other partners, uh, with our levels of government, so that one day these numbers are disappearing. Yeah, I, I played clips last half hour from Kate Keller, Social Planning Council. And so uh, talk a little bit about something she said to me, because a lot of times uh, homeless people don't go to a place like Siloam because they want their autonomy. So uh, talk about that. Is that a challenge you guys have at Siloam, making sure that these people that maybe want help get it, but they're reluctant to help uh, to, to come and get it? Certainly, there are cases like that. I would agree. Autonomy is important to everybody, whether it be from a, you know, from a, a dignity perspective. Mm. Or uh, I'll, I'll give an example. I, for example, last week I attended uh, a day, uh, I'd say a day workshop in Ottawa that's centered around uh, uh, those that have served, whether it be in the armed forces or the RCMP or in other services like that, where you know it can be difficult to get people to identify whether they have served, because there's, uh, I can't think of a better word, but it, but, and it might be the wrong one to use, but there, there's, there's a pride factor associated with that. So it's not, it's not always easy right. uh, to, to, to gain all the information that we need in order to help people. But that is an example. Autonomy is important. And I think of youth. Uh, we don't necessarily get a lot of youth, but we, we do get some that will uh, come to our, our doors and, and uh, seeking shelter. But we have a program, for example, a housing program, we call it Exit Up, where uh, young people that are aging out of the CFS system, um, they're out on the street. So we try to identify with, uh, with youth, youth that are experiencing that and try to help them along with uh, progressive services and training and those types of things so that we can help them to transition and progress. And to, it's all about prevention. I think the uh, the more I learn about it, 
yes, we can all do the best we can to kind of treat the symptoms on a day-to-day basis. But what I'm encouraged about is uh, when I'm involved in conversations, it's largely now around let's find ways, let's prevent homelessness. What can we do? It's no easy task. But the thing I'm encouraged about is, as I say, that uh, I do believe that there is a spirit of collaboration that is gaining momentum here within levels of government, within other agencies, and certainly here at Siloam. We want to work with others to put forth our ideas, learn from experiences of others that uh, provide services, and and those, uh, of course, that uh, utilize our services. And I believe, I believe that we can do that, and it's uh, that's what encourages us daily to continue working on the right models and the supports that we can provide. And so, what is working, Jim, here or elsewhere? What what's Give me some examples of what is working right now in the battle against homelessness. Well, I would think, first off, it starts with trust. I'm going to start with that. As we identify and work with people that come in our doors on a daily basis, once you, once you establish that trust with people that are experiencing hardship, and I mentioned all those areas where they may be coming from, and once, once trust is on the table and you get that one-on-one, and we're very fortunate here that we have, we have a transition and progressive services team that will work with people on a daily basis. So you, you, you identify, you earn the trust so that we can understand the issues, so that we can help people move forward with that. Programs that uh, I continue to learn more about, we hear a lot about Housing First. So that's a government-initiated um, project that's been around, but it talks about finding people a place to live and then working with them uh, and identifying and trying to help them to progress with respect to the issues at hand. So I think those types of things are working uh, both relationship-wise and program-wise. I think we need to pay attention to those and, again, work with each other. I really believe at the end of the day, that as we learn to collaborate better here in the city of Winnipeg, because homelessness is a problem here, far greater than I ever could imagine when I started here 18 months ago. But I think we're all motivated, encouraged to know that we can work together. And, and I should not leave out the fact that, the, that our extended community allows us the opportunity to go forward with these types and issues because of all the support that they lend us, whether it be financially or through their time. Um, we're very fortunate here at Siloam, and that, that allows us to look at these challenges straight in the eye and try to make a difference together. So your time at Siloam, then, a year and a half or thereabouts, it's been a real eye-opening experience for you, eh? No question. No question. And I, uh, uh, it's, it's a privilege to be here. It is, um, I consider it to be, a tre- it's a tremendous learning experience each day as you... Every now and then, whether you have a cup of coffee or even a simple conversation with somebody that has experienced some of the challenges that you and I have talked about, and as I have, uh, as I have come to know some of these issues over the course of the last 18 months, I will tell you they stood me straight up and they've taken my knees out, figuratively speaking, but I, it just motivates all of us to put our heads together to say, look, we can help this man or woman. We can help this young person. Let's put our heads together here at Siloam. But more importantly, let's do it collectively and collaboratively within this, within this caring community of Winnipeg and Manitoba. And I believe we have a real opportunity here 
to meet some of these challenges straight in the eye and work together to help these folks. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, we did a radiothon with you guys not long yes. ago. Uh, yes. I think you've got the cost of a, of a hot meal down to $3.12 or something, right? Because I've, I've, I wrote you guys a check a while ago for some dinners, and I think that's what you've got it down to, right? Something like that? You're very close. That is, in fact, that is in fact correct. It's the, the $3.11 that, yeah. uh, that has been worked at, and that, that is exactly what it is. And mm. thank you for your donations. And, and again, throughout our community, the fact that people take the time to um, contribute financially or donate other things like clothing and other goods, yeah. all, all of that help, all of that community-mindedness, we are grateful for because, as a, uh, again, as I say, it allows us to look at the next steps with some of these other initiatives. And we're, we're so grateful for that because without the community, we could not. We, mm-hmm. we simply could not. Yeah, and I mention that because I think it's important that we give, and it's it can be a check or it can be, you know, boots or uh, underwear. You know, we know about the need for, for underwear yes. at Silo Mission. There are all kinds of needs, and I think it's important that people give. But uh, what else should we do? For example, Jim, I always struggle. If I run across somebody that appears to be homeless and they're looking for help, you know, in, in the form of a few few bucks or some change, I always kind of struggle with that. I want to help, but I, I'm not sure that's the best way for me to help. What, what's your thought on that? And many of us do. I think that your opinion on that, uh, Hal, is shared by many, many uh, people in our community. And I know that, uh, of course, now that I work here, I encourage people that I encounter to continue continue to seek the services that are provided here at Silo Mission. And by the way, there are other other great organizations in our city Absolutely. That, that provide that provide and I marvel at the work that they do as well. We're all we're actually we're all in it together and mm-hmm. that's why I cannot uh, emphasize the, that spirit of collaboration enough. But I would encourage people if they know somebody, please, please look us up here at I can't speak for other organizations, but I'm sure they feel the same way. Please uh, don't don't ignore them. Tell them there is a place like Silo Mission that, regardless of the need, that there'll be somebody that will that will be here that will try to help them or direct them to an area of an organization that can help them. Because that is that is what we are about on behalf of our community, and that's why we try to humbly serve on a day-to-day basis to, you know, uh, the employees here. I'm so fortunate to work with a group of people that. Yes, they have job training, whether it be in social services or other areas that they work in at Silo Mission. They, they, they bring their skill, but they bring their passion every day. And I would, I would ask that um, within our community, if, you, if people know others that are battling some of these hardships, please, please direct them, bring them, bring them to Silo, and we will do the very best that we can to try to help them today and, more importantly, to try to help them transition and progress uh, every day after today. Jim, thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Hal. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Jim Bell at Silo Mission as we get the new homeless numbers in. 1,500 people in Winnipeg homeless. That's up from 1,400 people just a few years ago. And as we were uh, as we were saying, uh, 14% of the people counted as homeless this year are unsheltered, so they're in public spaces, park, maybe living in a tent. Well, 24% were using an emergency shelter, just to give you all the numbers. And, you know, the other thing 
if you can't afford to write a check and, and give cash, and I realize not everybody can, although they've got that hot meal down to $3.11, which is amazing. I mean, they can take a buck and stretch it over at Siloam, that's for sure. Um, but if you can't help with a financial donation for that organization, or as Jim said, many other great organizations, I would encourage you to volunteer. Go down. They'll welcome you there. If you want to go down and do some cooking, some serving, uh, there are all kinds of jobs that they have and they need help. And if you can help, that's another great way to get involved and try and be a part of the solution as opposed to uh, watching the problem grow and get worse because homelessness, I fear to say, is a problem that's not going to go away anytime soon and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. So, your help is definitely needed. One We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, tough trivia, your chance to win on Hal Anderson Afternoons. Hal Anderson. Yeah, we're going to do some winning now. Tough trivia, your chance to win, again, four gate passes, uh, gate admissions, for Red River X, and we're going to toss in some Santa Lucia pizza. Red River X gets going on Friday. And by the way, next Friday, so a week from this coming Friday when Red River X gets going, I will be at Red River X doing the show at Red River X. So if you're planning a trip to Red River X, maybe plan it on the afternoon that I will be out there and drop by and say hi. So that's not this Friday, but the following Friday, the 22nd of June, I will uh, be doing the show live from the Red River X. So again, if you can answer the tough trivia question today, you'll get four Red River X gate admissions and Santa Lucia pizza. Here's the question. Oh boy, the phone lines have loaded up already. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. SUV drivers are more likely to do this than drivers of other vehicles. What? Do what? SUV drivers do this more than drivers of other vehicles. 204-780-6868. Let's see if we can uh, give somebody the prize pack here. Hi, what's your name? All right. Hello, CJOB, have you got a guess? Uh, Go off road. No, not go off the road. Good guess, though, with an SUV driver. Yeah. Hi, CJOB. Speed. No, not speed. Uh Uh-uh. No. Hi, CJOB. Hello, have you got a guess? Hi, yeah. Is it getting into an accident? No, not getting into an accident. Hello, CJOB, have you got a guess? Hi, is it roll your vehicle? Roll your vehicle. No, uh, you're all kind of going down that same road, but it's not the right one. Hi, CJOB. You're all kind of going down that same road. Hello, listen to your phone, not the radio. All right, I try. Hi, CJOB. How about uh, go camping? Not go camping. No, another good guess. Hi, CJOB. Hello? Hi. Hi, yeah, I'm calling about the... Uh, yes, what is your answer? Uh, tailgate? No, not tailgate. No. Uh, a couple more here and I'll give you a hint. Hi, CJOB. Hi. Hi. Get some, what's your guess? guess? Okay, let's hear it. Uh, shoulder check? Not shoulder check. No. Uh, this has okay. nothing to do nothing to do with the actual driving of the vehicle, if that makes any sense. It's something else you do while you're in the vehicle driving. Hi. Got a guess? Hello? Oh. All right. Well, sorry. Snooze, you lose. Hi, CJOB. Hi, is it checking your mirrors? No, it's not checking your mirrors. A couple more, and then I'll give you a oh, real no. good hint. Hi, CJOB. 
Is it less likely to wear their seatbelts? Not less likely to wear your seatbelts, no. Hi, CJOB. Claim bankruptcy. <laughs> Claim bankruptcy. Right, with those big uh, car payments. No, not the, not the correct answer. All right, here it is. The hint to end all hints. This is a good one. So the question again is SUV drivers, SUV drivers are more likely to do this than drivers of other vehicles. What? This is also something many people do in the shower. Come on. I just, I've given it to you. 204-780-6868. Hi, have you got a guess? Singing. Yes, singing. Who knew SUV drivers are more likely to sing than drivers of other vehicles? What is your name? Randy. Randy, do you drive an SUV? No. Okay, because I was going to get you to sing if you did. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, congratulations. You've got four Red River X gated missions and some Santa Lucia pizza. Good for you. Beautiful. Thank you. Excellent. I'll put you on hold. We're going to do it again tomorrow. More Red River X gate admissions and Santa Lucia pizza up for grabs tomorrow. Again, Red River X gets going on Friday. And then a week from Friday on June 22nd, I'll be at Red River X doing the show there. All right. Hey, listen, uh, stick around. I'm going to play a bunch of uh, Donald Trump, Kim Jong-un, Dennis Rodman audio when we come back after the news. It's a big story today. Uh, And I got a couple more text messages as well that I could read. And if you didn't get in uh, earlier when we were talking about uh, this deal, air quotation marks, this deal between uh, Trump and, uh, as Donald calls him now, Chairman Kim, right? Went from rocket man to Chairman Kim now. Some respect there from from Trump. Uh, If you didn't get a chance to weigh in on this, you can certainly do that right after the 2 o'clock news here at 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. Thank you very much, Tristan Field-Jones, 204. As promised, here's your chance to weigh in on this deal, if you can call it that, between the U.S. and North Korea, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. Now, as I said off the top of the show, and actually quite a few of you agreed with me, I'm willing to see where this goes. I think it's it's better that they met and that there's this agreement of some, no, and normally agreements would have details and dates and specifics. All this is is sort of like we're going to work at it. And I think that's maybe all we could have expected from this, right? It's historic. I understand Trump and all of his faults. He's got many of them. Uh, I don't like how he goes on and on about Putin and and now, as he calls him, Chairman Kim. These are horrible people that do horrible things. Uh, But I do understand that if Trump wants to try and get rid of the nuclear weapons on that Korean peninsula, it's got to start somewhere, and this is certainly a start. So let me... Play a bit of audio here, and if you want to weigh in, 204-780-6868, you can text or call that number and talk to me, or you can email hal at cjob.com. I actually uh, got up at about, I don't know, 4 in the morning or something, got up to use a washroom. Not that you need to know that, but I got up, and and I had my earbud in, and I was listening to CNN. When I went to bed last night, I was listening to CNN as, you know, all this was going on. And I actually caught the news conference live, and I listened to most of it, just over an hour of it. And um, uh, it was certainly interesting. You could tell Trump was very proud of himself, right? 
And uh, I'll play this clip for you. Here is Trump saying that at some point he will invite Chairman Kim, not Rocket Man anymore, Chairman Kim. He will invite Chairman Kim to the White House. Well, at a certain time, I will. I said that will be a day that I look very much forward to at the appropriate time. And I also will be inviting Chairman Kim at the appropriate time to the White House. I would I think it's. It's really going to be something that will be very important. And he has accepted, I said, at the appropriate time. We want to go a little bit further down the road. But what we signed today was uh, a lot of things included. And then you have things that weren't included that we got after the deal was signed. I've done that before in my life. And we didn't put it in the agreement because we didn't have time. Donald Trump. Uh, after his meeting with Kim Jong-un, his agreement that they signed, talking to reporters. And uh, after holding this news conference, he did some one-on-one interviews, and one of them was uh, was with George Stephanopoulos over at ABC. And I want to play a few minutes of that uh, interview because uh, I think it gets into this a little more. Here's Trump with uh, Stephanopoulos at ABC. Well, it's been a very intense day. And as you know, we discussed things over the last few months. You um, did. You've spoken with yeah, him before. I have spoken. Yes, I have spoken to him. I've spoken to a lot of his people. His, as you know, his, uh, I would say, very top person was at the White House last week. And so we've developed a pretty good relationship in terms of getting something done. It got done. I think it's a terrific document. It's a starter, but it's a terrific document. I think far more. And there are things that we negotiated after that document that are also very important. Uh, They're going to get rid of certain ballistic missile sites and various other things. We're going to put that out later. But we have the framework of getting ready to denuclearize North Korea. And the phrase in the document is complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Does that mean that the nuclear umbrella that we have over South Korea is on the table for negotiation. No, that means that uh, they're going to get rid of their nuclear weapons. We never even discussed the other. They're going to get rid of their nuclear weapons, George. And I think they want to do it relatively quickly. Now, we're going to see. I mean, they're going to start working on it immediately. We're going to work with South Korea. We're going to work with Japan. We're going to work with China. But uh, it really has been an incredible exercise. You've set the bar for nuclear agreements by criticizing the Iran nuclear deal, said it's the worst deal ever made. Does that mean that any deal with North Korea has to be tougher than the Iran deal? I don't think a deal could be softer. First of all, we're not paying $150 billion, okay? We're paying nothing from that standpoint other than uh, you will see what happens. I think there's going to be a great partnership with Japan and with South Korea. President Moon has been terrific. But they have to get Prime rid Minister of Abiy has been they have to get rid of all their nuclear weapons. They've got all to get rid of yeah, They will. I think they will. I really believe that he will. I've gotten to Did know him well in that? a short period of time. Yeah, sure. It's denuking. I mean, he's denuking the whole place, and he's going to start very quickly. I think he's going to start now. They'll be announcing things over the next few days, talking about other missile sites because they were, as you know, they were sending out a lot of missiles. There was a period of time where I was saying. What are they doing? Every week, it seems, another missile went up. I mean, they're going to be getting rid of sites. Is he going to stop testing? He's going to stop testing. Well, he already has. You know, we have, how many months has it been, George? Seven, where there's been no missiles going up. And he's committed to not starting that up again? Oh, he's committed to not do that. It won't be happening. That won't be happening. Uh, He means it. He really wants to do something, I think, terrific for that country. And it's the only way it can be. It's the only way it can be terrific. Well, you know... 
if you look at, uh, if you talk to the experts, you can't just do it immediately. Some it takes a period years. of time. Well, somebody said 15 years if you go rapidly. But when you're in a process of doing it, you're really dismantling. In other words, you can't do anything during that period of time. But they have a process for getting rid of nukes that does take, it's not like, oh, gee, we'll get rid of them tomorrow. It just can't be done scientifically. And, but they're going to do it. They're going to start immediately. They've really already started. They blew up a site, which was the real deal site. That was their big site. They've blown it up. They're getting rid of things that haven't been mentioned in the document. They're getting rid of certain missile areas, and they're not going to be sending missiles up. They're not and they're going to announce that and confirm it as well, these additional steps? You say it? The, the North Koreans are going to announce these additional yeah, steps as well? Yeah, they're going to be well? announcing them very shortly. They might have announced them already, but this came down after we signed. We agreed to that also. Uh, and I'm doing something that I've wanted to do from the beginning. We stopped playing those war games that cost us a fortune. You know, we're spending a fortune every number of months we're doing war games with South Korea. And I said, what's this costing? We're flying planes in from Guam and we're bombing empty mountains for practice. And I said, I want to stop that and I will stop that. And I think it's very provocative, especially, George, since we're getting along. In Did other words, we're in the process of signing something. Excuse Did me? Did you talk about pulling troops out, U.S. troops we out? We didn't discuss that, no, but we're not going to play the war games. You know, I wanted to stop the war games. I thought they were very provocative. But I also think they're very expensive. We're running the country properly. I think they're very, very expensive to do it. We have to fly planes in from Guam that's six and a half hours away, big bombers and everything else. I said, who's paying for this? I mean, who pays for, in order to practice? What are the so, kinds of security? So one of the things that I suggested and I want to do is we're going to stop the war games unless for some reason we're unable to go further. What other kinds of security guarantees did you offer? Did you put on well, the Well, we've given him, I don't want to talk about it specifically, but we've given him, he's going to be happy. His country does love him. His people, you see the fervor. They have a great fervor. They're going to put it together. And I think they're going to end up with a very strong country and a country which has people that they're so hardworking, so industrious. I think if you look at South Korea someday, Maybe in the not-too-distant future, it will be something you like that. You say his people love him. Just a few months ago, you accused him of starving his people. And then, listen, here's the rub. Uh, Kim is a brutal dictator. He runs a police state uh, for starvation, labor camps. He's assassinating members of his own family. How do you trust a killer like that? George, I'm given what I'm given, okay? I mean, this is what we have, and this is where we are. And I can only tell you from my experience, and I met him, I've spoken with him, and I've met him, and this was, as you know, started very early, and it's been very intense. Uh, I think that he really wants to do a great job for North Korea. I think he wants to denuke. It's very important. Uh, without that, there's nothing to discuss that was on the table at the beginning, and you see a total denuclearization of North Korea, so important, and he wants to do the right thing. Now, with all of that being said, I can't talk about, it doesn't matter, we, we're starting from scratch, we're starting right now, and we have to get rid of those nuclear weapons. President Donald Trump with ABC's George Stephanopoulos after this uh, agreement was signed between Trump and Kim Jong-un, in Singapore, after the news conference with all reporters, he sat down with a few select journalists, and this one uh, happened to be ABC's George Stephanopoulos. You know, I'm 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 kind of glad George, when he was going on about how people, oh, his people love him. Well, yeah, if they don't love him, they're dead. Of course, they love him, right? I mean, I guess he's you know he's he's got to deal with this guy. 
uh, if he if he wants to try and and denuke uh, uh, the Koreas, but um, or North Korea, but uh, at the same time, it does sort of seem like uh, Trump at times doesn't realize how horrible these people are that he you know, and then he's rude and calls our prime minister names. Like he he, he recently does seem more like he's friendlier and nicer to the Putins and the Kim Jong-uns and, and not so nice to the Angela Merkels and the, and the Justin Trudeaus. Anyhow, it's, it's interesting. It definitely is historic. We'll see where it goes. Les just sent me a text message. Hey, how did Trump, uh, Trump just give away the cow for some magic beans? And let me read uh, one other uh, text message here, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back and talk a bit of bomber football and uh, dig into our new quarterback a bit. Hey, Hal, doesn't matter what Trump does. He could cure cancer, and somehow he would come out as a villain. I don't agree with all that he does or the matter of pain when he goes and does it. But the facts don't lie. He is doing every, every single thing he said he would do in his campaign promises. Yeah, you're probably right. And the texter goes on to say, Andy has done economic wonders for the United States. Well. I don't know about that, but he's certainly, the economy has improved. The text goes on to say, such as unemployment rates. Obama said it would never go below 4%. Here it is, 3.8%. If Trump can work peace with North Korea and it's a lasting peace, his presidency would be nothing but a success. And honestly, he would have done more to earn that Nobel Peace Prize than what Obama did, earning it by just being president for less. And honestly, he would have done more to earn that Nobel Prize than what Obama did. Uh, okay, uh, same sentence printed twice there. Uh, love him or hate him, he's getting stuff done. Yeah, and but I also think you can't excuse some of the horrible things that he has said and done as well. I mean, you have to. We got to remember that stuff too, right? I wish him well with North Korea, but we can't forget about uh, you know some of the stuff that he has done we just we can't sweep some of that stuff under the rug we just we can't do it and he doesn't seem to take responsibility for it so i'm not trying to come off a, as a trump supporter but i think in this case he's got more done with north korea than any other president has in decades so let's see where it goes quick break we'll come back talk bomber football 27 to 217 now 217 at cjob Al Anderson on 680 CJOB. Oh, you know what? I forgot that uh, I was going to play some Dennis Rodman, so I'll save that, all right? I ran out of time there. Uh, you got to hear the Dennis Rodman audio about this uh, deal with uh, with Trump and Chairman Kim. Got to play that for you. But let's uh, talk a little football here. I don't know if you listened last night to the Coach O'Shea show here on CJOB, Bob Irving and uh, Coach we're on last night talking about our new starting quarterback, Chris Trevler. Here's what O'Shea had to say about the young pivot. You have to evaluate everything. You can't just look at uh, gameplay or look at practice or, you know, how he is in the meetings. you got to take it all in and, and um, you know, discuss all the aspects of it. And you sort of discuss it, you know, as you go along. But when it comes down to that crunch time, you really lay it all back on the table and take inventory of 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 what you've noticed, what you've seen, the numbers that he's he's produced in camp and then in games, and you know he ended up winning the job. He had the highest completion percentage uh, in training camp. Um, you know, obviously that first game he went ten for ten. Uh, more than that, he he does go through the plays and and makes the right reads. Um, you know, he's good with the football. 
in his hand. He's, he's, he, he understands that we talk about protecting the football from that position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we really do emphasize that. Lapo and Buck do a great job of emphasizing that to the entire offense. So he, he you know, he's buying into that, um, not making, you know, critical decisions, critical errors, you know, in the decision-making process. So he, he does well with the decision-making. And then you add in the fact that he's a, you know, he's a very fast, athletic, strong uh, player at that position. You know, it added up to this. And um, we feel good about it, you know. And, and we feel good about, our, uh, you know, Alex Ross and Brian Bennett too. They're, everybody's going to have a role on this team. And, mm-hmm. and it takes an entire team to win a game. So um, this is an exciting time for us. How much, Mike, does... Um, I don't know, a feeling, intuition, that is that does that weigh in? And you can't do it all just on numbers. And Is there some of that involved? Yeah, um, I, I do believe that. I would think that I might take that into account um, more with, with, with all the players, um, you know, but – I do. I do rely heavily on on the coaching staff to to talk about what they see and to evaluate the actual breakdown of a play. Uh, you know more than than I would, um, but it's it's all great conversation. It's it's certainly been a, a great experience for us to go through this. Coach O'Shea, and by the way, I'm sure you've heard this already, but Streveler starting for the Bombers as the regular season gets going at home here Thursday night against Edmonton. Uh, it's the first time a quarterback has gone right from college to starting uh, a season for a team in the CFL since Anthony Calvillo did it back in the 90s when he was with the Vegas Posse. So <laughs> I'm excited about seeing this kid play. I, I Listen, it could end terribly. Don't get me wrong. But I'm kind of excited. I think this might be, I'm looking at this class half full. I'm seeing this as an opportunity maybe for us to finally get a young quarter. And when Nichols comes back, cool, let's get on with things. But I think this might be an opportunity for us to develop a young quarterback in town. We have not seen that in a long, long time, if ever, right? Let me play one more clip here from the coaches show last night. And by the way, Jeff Courier talked to uh, Bob Nelson. Nelson is uh, the coach, uh, was Strebler's coach at U South Dakota and said some really nice things about the guy. And I want to, I want to play some of that for you today as well. But here's another clip, Bob Irving and coach O'Shea from last night here on CJOB. The other move that occurred on the weekend was the releasing of uh, 25 players and the three rifles. But Faith Akakity was the one name I think that fans would most recognize of the players let go and Brian Walker to a lesser extent but Kakadi was the first player chosen overall in the draft last year what was it about his development that made you guys decide to move on well it really does come down to numbers I mean I we believe that uh if you could keep him around he would continue to develop absolutely I believe he's going to turn into a a good football player down the road it just at this moment in time when we re-signed Jake Thomas, you know, uh, it was five days, whatever it was, into camp. It was a week into camp, and and we thought that Jake was a better football player, and and um, it's not a problem adding better football players, but then the numbers don't add up. You know, you have to make a decision from there. 
but we wanted to see what happened if we brought Jake in and what the competition was like. And, and we still weren't sure exactly how the roster was going to play out, what mm -hmm. we were going to do. But, you know, changing the ratio, um, salary, there's so many factors that go into it. But uh, that's not to say that Faithy Kakadi's not a good football player and not going to be a good football player in the future too. He just, you know, unfortunately at this time, our best team, you know, has Jake Thomas on the roster. Coach O'Shea and our Bob Irving on the Coach's Show last night here on CJOB. By the way, Trump is at it again. I guess he got a few hours of sleep and now he's going again. He says that our Justin Trudeau's obnoxious comments will cost him a lot of money. A new attack from Trump against our PM. The news is next at 2.30. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Welcome back. Joining us in studio now, the CEO of Inner City Youth Alive. Kent it. Kent, nice to see you. Good to see you, Hal. I've been getting your newsletter for many years, and I always try and keep an eye on the great work that you guys are doing, and we'll get to other stuff that's happening with you. But I, I noticed a full page in your newsletter on something called Story Studio. What's that about? Well, the Story Studio is an idea that kind of started small and then has like kind of morphed and, mm. and gotten bigger. So the initial idea was we wanted to have a space where we could just simply record some local stories. It was going to be innocent and simple. And uh, the thing just kind of grew legs. People caught, you know, heard that we were doing it, mm -hmm. caught on. And so we've had a number of different groups that are interested. Uh, there's a group called One Nation Exchange that said they're working with newcomers to Canada. And they're very interested in telling the stories of people who are new to Canada. Right. So they approached us and said, you know, could we use this space? And so we kind of very quickly realized that that the opportunities there were were just so plentiful that we needed to open it up. So... We had started out saying, okay, it was going to be Story Studio. It was going to be inter something that Inner City Youth Alive does. And, and can, simple. And simple. Mm. But um, the the interest has been peaked in so many different areas. And so we've decided now that it's going to be a shared space. It's going to be about sharing stories. So we're going to share the space. We're going to hand out cards, like key cards, to people who are interested in getting in there, no matter you know what sort of walk of life they come from, mm -hmm. to just get in there and get that storytelling going. Yeah. And because so, we all have stories to tell, right, Kent? If we don't have stories, we're not alive. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I, I'm really excited. Even this morning, a uh, young man that just recently was released from MYC is in there uh, and he's doing some stuff that he's written and he's recording it. So we're doing a little soft launch. It's just all very new. The studio is like fresh space. We just hung some of this, some of the uh, the acoustic panels in there to, to make it perfect. And, and so... Already we have, and we have a, another call this afternoon, a school that wants to come in and do some stuff in that, in that recording studio. So mm. it's just cool. Yeah. And audio, video, both? It's audio, video, uh, or either or, well, I suppose mm -hmm. audio. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and also uh, open to people who want to come in and use, use it to do like creative kind of arts, art. We're going to have some art supplies there for people that want to tell their story in that way. So we want to leave room for people to share it, whether through song, through story, uh, you know, spoken word, whatever. Yeah. And uh, listen, you guys have always been about giving young people a place to hang and, and be with each other and get help if they need it. And 
and certainly Story Studio, uh, you know, sounds like it's it's right in line with what you guys have done. How important has it been uh, for you to have that place for young people in this town? Well, I think it's just been vital. There's so many, and I've been there for 34 years, and so often I hear kids that come back who are now adults, mm-hmm. former kids, and tell me that if it wasn't for uh, our work, they'd be, uh, one youth just recently said he'd be six feet under. Turned them you around. Know? So it's been it's been a huge impact. We've seen really neat things happen. A couple of years ago, we did some careful tracking on our volunteer stats. 25% of our volunteer hours were done by youth from the community. So... Youth are wanting to give back. Mm-hmm. There's there's gifts in our community, and that's, you know, even part of the, the story studio, um, a lot of people see the North End through sort of a monolithic single story, and, and there are amazing stories, and so we want to share some of that strength that we see in our community through getting those stories out. Yeah. There is that stereotypical uh, belief of what the North End is. And I think you're right. It's multidimensional, so many different aspects. And maybe through the story studio, you can show the people, the different people that are there and the different stories. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the thing, the power of story, right? Mm. Brene Brown says that stories are data with soul. And so we're we're just looking forward to how uh, people can share their stories for the purposes of uh, healing yeah. and for growth and for people who who can hear those stories. Then we want to create uh, a database, uh, a platform where where stories can be shared broadly if people choose to share their stories broadly. So uh, I know that uh, I recently talked with Bernadette Smith, who's very interested in in coming online and and sharing her story, her family's challenge of having lost a sister, and. And, uh, and so uh, had dialogue with people that are involved in the in that here in the uh, uh, research around missing and murdered indigenous women and mm-hmm. want to want to invite people to come and sh- families to share their story right. their journey and so it just feels like we're we're giving words uh, to to something deeper yeah and it's about the storyteller but it's also a, about the people that hear those stories. And so if there's ever an opportunity for me to share some of your story studio stories on air here on CGOB, let's try and do that because I think that's a really important part of this. How are people going to hear the stories? Yeah, that's a wonderful invitation and yeah. we'll take you up on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'll be some really, really great stories coming. Good. Excellent. Looking forward to it. How do you guys uh, fund what you do at Inner City Youth Alive? It must be a challenge, eh? It's a challenge, but I have to say that I give credit to, to the good people of Winnipeg. We get less than 1% of our funding is from government. Mm. The rest is from individuals, businesses, churches, church groups. It's it's unbelievable the generosity that we've experienced. Even this whole project to build a story studio. Uh, we, we extended, we have a community meeting room that we built as well, and we had renovated an old part of our building. And all of that, the money has just poured in for that cool. capital campaign. Isn't that great, Because eh? people really want to see change happen in our community. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, big shout out to all the good people in Winnipeg. Yeah. Tell us about the block party you've got coming up. Yeah. So we got a block party coming up on Thursday and we're going to have some live entertainment there. We're bouncy castles, petting zoo, uh, all kinds of fun for the kids. We anticipate anywhere from six to 800 people will line that block on on Aberdeen. And, you know, it's, it's really cool. Uh, for me, it's one of the best points in the year because uh, about a year ago, we had within within 
oh, a 12-month period, we had six murders within a block of our building. Mm. And, uh, and so uh, we've, we've taken steps to see changes there, and there's a new thing started up that, that we initiated was Aberdeen Alliance, local, local people on the street taking back the street. And now on Thursday, it's going to go from uh, some, of the, some of the sad stories that we've heard to that party uh, where it's going to be really fun time. And mm-hmm. so um, I love to see uh, when, a, when a space can kind of get reclaimed. Yeah, and summer camp is big for you guys too. Yeah, summer camp is coming. We've had the last number of weekends, we've had volunteer groups out to our camp on Gem Lake. It's way up in the Nopeming Provincial Park. They're prepping the space and we're going to be running all summer long camps for kids. So that's going to also be impactful for youth from our community. Yeah. If somebody heard this today, our conversation and wants to help, how can they help out Inner City Youth Alive? Well, you can go to our website and uh, if you want to search up uh, information about our story studio, it's really simple. It's, uh, there's a li- link there to click and, uh, and there's, there's tons of ways that you can help in terms of uh, sponsoring a kid to go to camp. Uh, you can you can volunteer at Inner City Youth Alive. You can donate to the cause. Um, there's there's so many ways to get engaged. Kent, thanks for coming in, and I look forward to hearing one of the stories from Story Studio soon. Thank you, Hal. Kent Duick, CEO, Inner City Youth Alive, and their website, by the way, is icya.ca. Icya.ca, which of course stands for Inner City Inner City Youth Alive. Icya. .ca. Really a, a great organization. And uh, I'll tell you, this uh, this story studio looks really cool. And no wonder these young people want to get in there and, and mess around and tell their stories. Very cool. Great organization. Uh, we are going to take a break here. When we come back, Diana Foxhall will join us, one of our global news reporters. She had a chance to listen to Arianna Huffington today. Oh, you know what I'm going to do before we take a break is I'm going to play that Dennis Rodman audio. I've got to play this for you. So Trump, Donald Trump, President of the United States, he meets with Kim Jong-un in Singapore. They sign this big deal, you know, whatever. It's a big deal. This is historic, right? Dennis Rodman, who, of course, has been buddies with Kim Jong-un for many years, right? He is all over TV. Anybody that'll let him talk, he's on TV talking about, well, it's basically, it's the I told you so Dennis Rodman tour. Dennis is everywhere. I told you so. Take a listen. Well, you know what? I've talked to those guys uh, in the last five years. Which guys? And uh, we talked to, I talked, I talked to Kim Jong-un and uh, an administration over there five years ago. And he asked me five years ago, we sat down for lunch. And he sat down and asked me, hey, Dennis, uh, I would like to ask you three things if you go back to tell the President of the United States these three things. And I would be willing to talk to him. And this is a true story. And I got my people here that was there that heard the conversation. He said um, things like, uh, if they can move the ships back from South Korea, I would do what I have to do to listen. If you can move certain things or do certain things, I will listen. My ears will be open. And I tried to do that to Obama. And Obama didn't even give me the time of day. I asked him, I said, I have something to say from North Korea. He just brushed me off. But that didn't deter me. I still kept going back. I kept going back. I kept going back. I showed my loyalty and my trustworthy to this country. And I said to everybody, I said, the door will open. I remember you saying it. I remember you saying it. Let me ask you something. Does Kim understand English, Dennis? No, it's amazing. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. When I said those things, when I said those damn things, 
when I went back home, I got so many death threats. I got so many death threats when I was sitting there protecting everything. And I believed in North Korea. And when I went home, I couldn't even go home. I couldn't even go home. I had to hide out for 30 days. I couldn't even go home. But I kept my head up high, brother. I knew things were going to change. I knew it. I, I was the only one. I never had no one to hear me. I didn't know one had to see me. But I took those bullets. I took all that. I took everything. Everyone came at me, and I'm still standing. And today is a great day for everybody. Singapore, Tokyo, China, everything. It's a great day. Dennis Rodman getting all choked up. I told you so. We'll take that break now, 2.44, almost a quarter to three. When we come back, Diana Foxall talks with Aria, or listen to a talk from Ariana Huffington. We'll have some audio from that Huffington speech coming up. Pal Anderson on CJOB. Well, I'll tell you, Diana Foxall, what a great job you have. Yesterday, you're helping men get healthier, and today you're hanging out with Ariana Huffington. I don't know if I would quite call it hanging out, but I was lucky enough to be one of the people there as she spoke at the U of M earlier today. Yes, um, Ariana Huffington, she's in town for the award ceremony tonight. She's winning the International Distinguished Entrepreneur Award. Mm -hmm. So that's taking place at the RBC Convention Center tonight. But before then, she was at the U of M's Asper School of Business to talk to a group of alumni, current students, grad students and whatnot, and just share how sort of her career has changed over the years. And as we know, Ariana Huffington is the founder of the Huffington Post. She's a very successful businesswoman, entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. and she's on her second startup now. And that's kind of what she was focusing on today. So she learned the hard way that burnout was not a good thing. It's so accepted in business culture, but it doesn't have to be something that people go through. So her main message today for business students was to take care of themselves as they kind of get started on their careers. So my main message is not to buy into the delusion of our culture that in order to succeed, you have to be always on, you have to burn out. And to look at the data, to look at all the new science that shows that in fact, when we prioritize our own well-being, when we take time to recharge, to unplug from our phones, to disconnect, we are more effective and more productive. And we see athletes demonstrating that with their own practices. And several years ago, she, what happened was she actually collapsed from exhaustion. She was working, she passed out and she kind of slammed her head into her desk, I believe. So she woke up in a pool of blood with a broken cheekbone and it was a bit of a reality check for her. She said, is this what success looks like? So Mm. obviously she was reaping the rewards in the business world, but her own personal health was not doing too well. So She is kind of looking at life from a more holistic perspective today, and she says people make more mistakes when they're tired, so she actually wrote a book recently on the benefits of sleep, and she touched on the fact that athletes use sleep to their benefit. Why think of yourself as anything other than a performance, Mm -hmm. or sorry, you have to sort of think of your own performance in the way that athletes think of their performance in a game. You have to be on your game. You have to be 
as good as you can be. And the way to get there is not by working around the clock. You Mm -hmm. have to think about your sleep, think about your health. So she says she'd rather see employees taking vacations and getting well rested and disconnecting from their phone than making critical mistakes at work because that will happen if you're not well rested and you're not your best self. So uh, her new startup Thrive, they've kind of developed an app and she explains that it's a it helps you sort of disconnect and it lets you focus on your well-being by showing how much time you're spending on your phone, on your computer and all that sort of thing. Well, our addiction to our phones is problematic, not just because of sleep, but because of focus during the day, because of our relationships. So I think having setting some boundaries to our phone, we have launched an app. So anybody who is on Android, a Samsung or any other kind of Android phone can download for free our app. It's called the Thrive app. And you can put your phone in Thrive mode. And uh, if you're in Thrive mode, we have a dinner with your family. And I text you, I get a text back that you're in Thrive mode until what time. And there's also a dashboard that gives you a mirror of all your social media, game, and other app uh, consumption. So... As we know, people are more or less addicted to their phones and she sees this as just one way of kind of allowing yourself to be free from having to connect all the Mm -hmm. time. Because, of course, if you're at dinner and you think, oh, no, someone might be texting me, I need to let them know that I'm not going to be able to contact them for however long. This takes care of that. And hopefully, uh, as she says, hopefully that sets some boundaries Mm -hmm. for people in their phones. She also says she doesn't sleep with her phone in her room. And uh, as we know, that's a very sort of tight relationship if you get up in the middle of the night you can't fall back asleep you look on your phone and that keeps you awake so that'll that'll stop you from having a good night's sleep and if that becomes a habit then it adds up i've seen arianne arianne huffington talk about uh her her uh discovery that sleep is really super important and obviously the success of the huffington post and then she sold that off and and you might think well this is just her next business venture it is but she really believes this too it's a real passion for her Exactly. And that was very evident today. She she talked about all the parts of the person, not mm-hmm. just focusing on who you are as a businessman or a businesswoman. Obviously, that's what she is. Her job is an entrepreneur. And uh, she says she's kind of taken stock and yeah. she's a mother too. She yeah. has her own sort of spiritual journey. Um, so she's thinking about life in a very holistic manner. And that includes all different aspects of health and Mm. taking the time you need to be as good as you can be as a person. So you show up in your, in your work life too. And isn't it interesting, Dan, that yesterday you discovered that men need to get more sleep in order to be healthier. And here you are. See, I, I made the comment at the start of this saying, wow, two different days and two incredibly different stories. And yet there's still that common denominator. We need to get more sleep. Maybe it's a, maybe Mm. it's just a really big uh, note to self that, yeah, everyone, should take the time to get enough sleep, but it's not going to hurt you if you're getting your eight hours. Yeah. If Arianna Huffington uh, says uh, get some sleep, she probably knows what she's talking about because she has certainly had a lot of success, and that's why she's in town getting the International Distinguished Entrepreneur Award tonight at the convention center, and she spoke at the U of M today, and our Dana Foxall was there. Thank you, Dana. Appreciate it. Thank you, Al. All right, we're going to take a break. The news at 3 o'clock, and then we've got lots of stuff we have to try and get in in the final hour of Hal Anderson Afternoons, including a couple of movies you might want to check out that are available for rent or purchase at home, and uh, a few other things, too, including a guy by the name of Bob Nielsen. He was...
Chris Strevler's coach at USD at the University of South Dakota. And now, of course, Strebler is our starting quarterback with the Bombers. And so we'll find out what his former coach has to say about the young guy. That's all on the way after the news at 3 here on CJOB. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity. is our new quarterback, Chris Trebler, filling in for the injured Matt Nichols for four, five, six weeks. We'll see. He's excited. Big opportunity for the young guy. He's looked good. I, uh, I feel, as I said earlier, I feel good about this. Now, I don't feel as good. <laughs> I don't feel as good as I would if it were Matt Nichols leading us into another season Thursday night against Edmonton. But... I do think this might be an exciting opportunity for Strebler and for us uh, Bomber fans and the team as well, of course. Earlier today, Jeff Courier talked with Bob Nielsen. Nielsen was Strebler's coach at University of South Dakota, and he said some pretty nice things about young Chris Strebler. Well, he's uh, he's an athlete, um, you know, and, and as I got the opportunity to work with him here at the University of South Dakota. Um, not only do you see him as an athlete, but we also got to see him uh, develop uh, as a as a leader. Um, and above all else, he is uh, a fierce competitor, and uh, which makes him a winner. And you know, he's a big part of our success um, uh, here a year ago. Um, he had a lot of individual success, uh, being you know leading the country in, in total offense, and and uh, but a tremendous team player and and uh, a guy that uh, I was very confident uh, upon his finishing his career here that his uh, football career was going to continue. He's a real student of the game. Uh, his improvement here from uh, his junior year to his senior year was uh, nothing short of, of phenomenal. Um, you know, learning our system, uh, I, I, I told all the NFL scouts when they came through, he, he went from a guy that was running our offense to, to a guy that was really managing our offense. And and uh, um, understood uh, all of the ins and outs. And if there was something that he didn't uh, grasp immediately, he was going to stay afterwards to, to make sure that he uh, spent extra time on that. And uh, it's just the, the, the kind of work ethic he has, uh, both on the field and in the film room, um, that uh, have really made him a tremendous football player. Coach Nielsen at USD, and he says that Strevler and the Canadian game should get along. I, I think the things that that uh, his athleticism, um, you put him on a, a big field where there's lots of space. Uh, um, you know, he's he's very very uh, dangerous uh, with the ball in his hands, and and I think you know the other thing um, that. Uh, was uh, part of his development this past year is his ability to to distribute the football um, and with all of the eligible receivers that you have in the Canadian system, you know one of the things you have to be able to do is not lock in on on first targets, but uh, distribute the football to the guys that can you know create plays in space. And and you know Chris became very good at that, and uh, will continue to improve at that at that level. 
University of South Dakota football coach Bob Nielsen on with our Jeff Courier earlier talking about the Bombers' new starting quarterback, Chris Strebler. What do you think? You excited? You nervous? Both? 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. We're going to talk movies here in a bit. A couple you can rent at home as of today that uh, you might want to check out. A couple worth mentioning. There are a bunch of them, but a couple I think worth mentioning today. By the way, today is Call Your Doctor Day. It's Crowded Nest Awareness Day today. Loving Day today. It's Jerky Day today. There's something I haven't had in a while. It's good beef jerky, but Jerky Day today. Uh, Peanut butter cookie day today. Love me a peanut butter cookie. Love, love, love peanut butter cookies. Uh, Red Rose Day today. Superman Day today. It's Victims of Orlando Attack Day today. World Day Against Child Labor and World Pet Memorial Day. Today. By the way, on this day in 1981, speaking of movies, which we'll get into in a bit here, on this day in 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark premiered. In 81. Wow. It's been that long. Uh, what else here? 1965, Sonny and Cher made their first appearance on TV on what show? American Bandstand. In 1981. 65. 1978, David Berkowitz sentenced to 25 years to life for each of the six Son of Sam killings that, of course, terrified New Yorkers back in the day. Uh, it was on this day in 1987, President Reagan, speaking of uh, uh, world history, you know, we're talking about this uh, Donald Trump, Kim Jong-un deal. 1987, President Reagan publicly challenged Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down this wall during a visit to the western side of uh, the gate. And, of course, we know that the wall, in fact, did come down. On this day, 1994, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman are murdered. And, of course, that led to the trial of O.J. Simpson. Uh, What else? Oh, in 2004, Canadian note in history here, 2004, Terry Clark officially inducted into the Grand Ole Opry. She became the first female Canadian artist to receive that honor. Hmm. And as we head to a break, I can't believe this song only got to number four. Ben E. King, Stand By Me. It peaked at number four on this day in 1961. Traffic on the way. Hal Anderson on CJOB. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see
let's talk movies here uh, for a couple of minutes here. Actually, you know what? Let's do movies after sports and news. I'll have more time because I want to. I found a couple other stories I wanted to mention today. A little music news here. That's what we'll do here. You too paid tribute to late chef and TV host Anthony Bourdain during a performance at the Apollo Theater in New York. U2 singer Bono dedicated the song Stuck in a Moment You Can't Get Out of to Anthony Bourdain, who was found dead of an apparent suicide in France last week. Bono noted that a lot of inspiring, useful people gave up on their own lives. He alluded to musicians Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington and fashion designer Kate Spade. Bono says Bourdain was a great storyteller who had stories he could not tell us. The song was inspired by In Excess singer Michael Hutchins, who died of an apparent suicide in 1997. I'm Archie Zaraleta. All right, more and more Canadians are playing their favorite tunes on streaming music platforms these days, and the shift in habits is giving a boost to playlists. Nielsen Music Canada's latest survey of how people listen to songs and albums finds 7 in 10 Canadians say they stream music using platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, or Google Play. 84% of them dig into playlists on those services. Industry insiders suggest playlists are eclipsing radio as the way people discover and share music. But Nielsen found radio still holds the strongest overall influence when it comes to launching a new artist or song to Canadian audiences. Don Kelly, the Canadian Press, Toronto. By the way, that reminds me, uh, I heard Google Play and iTunes there. The new Bomber podcast is now available. Greg Mackling and Doug Brown. We were talking Bombers and our new uh, starting quarterback. If you want uh, to get ready for the game on Thursday, I would suggest uh, give that podcast a listen. It is available now, the new one. And while you're at it, just subscribe. And then it, you know, comes whenever it's ready. Bomber podcast. And also, in music news, Kanye West's new album is number one. I'm a superhero. Kanye West back on top of the Billboard 200 album chart. His latest project, Yay, debuted at number one, with the fifth largest premiere for an album this year and the seventh largest streaming week ever. And it's West's eighth straight consecutive album to reach the top spot, tying a record set by Eminem and the Beatles. All seven songs on Ye are in the top 40 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart with this song, Yikes, peaking at number eight. That's what I'm talking about. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. All right. And by the way, uh, I don't know if you consider yourself an optimist or a pessimist. I think most of us hope we're optimistic, right? But I see where, uh, and we're always hearing about these new scams, these marketing scams. I see where optimists are more likely to fall prey to marketing scams. If you see that glass half full, uh, it may be good for your mood, but maybe not so great for your wallet. Scripps College researchers looked into it. Data from over 500 adults over the course of two experiments. The data showed the most important factor in deciding whether or not to respond to a scam was the participant's assessment of the risk versus the potential reward. Things that made a person less likely to respond to a scam call, uh, being older, being educated, and requiring an activation fee for the scam also deterred people. So I thought that was kind of interesting. All right, we're going to break here. We'll check the forecast for you again. Uh, Sports coming up here and also the news at 3.30. And then we'll talk movies, all right? So stick around. Hal Anderson on CJOB.